Welcome to the Binge Breakers Podcast. I'm Jacqueline. I am here to teach you how I overcame bulimia and my binge eating disorder, and how you can too. Through simple steps of mind management, repairing your relationship with yourself, understanding your habits, and intuitive eating. Disclaimer. This recording is not intended to be utilized as medical advice or a medical diagnosis. If you think you're in need of medical attention or treatment, please seek it immediately. This recording will also contain sensitive subjects such as binging and purging, weight and depression. Please listen at your own discretion and do what you think is best for you. Hello, 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 guys. This is Jacqueline. Welcome to the podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about relabeling mistakes, slip-ups, you know, when you have a binge and purge in recovery or you start overeating in recovery, relabeling what that means and to stop really calling them mistakes or slip ups and that they're actually meant to happen. And they're actually very important for recovery. And I'll explain my reasons why and why calling them mistakes, calling them slip ups and just having expectations that they shouldn't happen, how that can be really detrimental and damaging in recovery. So I guess the main topic of this episode is to Stop calling binging and purging during recovery, overeating, undereating, having bad body image days, having anything that doesn't deviate from the normal expectation of what life should be, which is happy and having a good time and having a normal relationship with food and not binging and purging um, as a mistake, a regression, a slip up, um, what have you, like a bad week or something like that. Um, and I am guilty of this. I've called these things mistakes and slip ups most of the podcast and in most, most of my coaching thing. Now, I wasn't attaching shame to those mistakes, but you know, sometimes my clients will come to me and they're like, yeah, well, I had kind of a slip up last week. And I know that they're just trying to communicate with me that I've been shim purged. What should we do about it? And we talk about it and we get clear headed on it and we move on. And there's, you know, we try to remove the guilt from it and all that stuff. But just the words themselves imply that, oh, you've made a boo-boo, you've made an error, you've regressed, you've got it wrong. And I think this language can be damaging because it really makes clients feel like they have done something wrong and then they feel shame for it. They feel guilty. They feel like they're off track. They feel like um, they have all the resources for recovery and yet they're still messing up. They're kind of a screw up. And it creates this whole complex. And so I don't think it's useful just from that perspective alone. So I'm really making an effort to just call it binging and purging or nothing at all because it isn't a mistake. And here's why. Um, the other side of it, you know, of course, people could say, well, it is kind of a mistake though, right? So you should probably call it that. You don't have to make them feel guilty for it, but it is kind of a slip up. It's a mistake. It's a failure. And again, language I've been really guilty of using. However, I don't even know if binging and purging could be defined as a failure or a slip up in recovery, um, which gets into the other argument. It is kind of, for me, I expect my clients to have binging and purging happen while they're working with me. I don't expect, like, why would they be coming to me if they suddenly like hired me and then they stopped binging and purging altogether? Of course, that's just one behavior of the bulimia. It's not everything. It's like, why did you even hire me? I'm here to help you stop these behaviors. But if you're all good, maybe we shouldn't work together, right? It's guaranteed. To, it's almost... I would put, an, um, let's say like maybe 95% of my clients and the people I've talked to, not just my clients, just a smaller pool of people, but the people I've interviewed on the podcast, the people I've talked to who are also um, professionals in the area, who have also gone through bulimia themselves, 
most of them, there wasn't just a point where they were like, you know what? I actually want to recover now. I'm serious about it. And then they just stopped everything and then moved on with their life. A lot of them, it was kind of up and down, up and down. And sometimes their ups got a little bit higher and their downs got a little less down and slowly, but surely they kept going along and it was just this linear line and um, it was this non-linear line and they eventually got to where they want to go. And there may be um, gaps in time between behaviors got greater and greater and greater till it was snuffed out altogether. Um, that's what I see is most typical. That's what, um, when you look it up on the internet, that's what a lot of resources say that it's not just this linear thing. And I know you guys have heard that over and over again, oh, recovery is not linear, but I know what you do. You're kind of like, yeah, recovery is not linear, but the second you make a mistake, the second that you um, mess up and whatever capacity you think that is, you make it mean so many things than what it actually means. And you, you start questioning recovery. You start questioning the progress that you've actually made or the progress that you have gotten to and think, that must not have been real because I'm doing this now. You think something's wrong with you. You think that um, it isn't a part of recovery. You start to maybe give up on yourself um, altogether. You think you throw in the towel because you're like, this means I can't recover as if binging and purging is a prerequisite to say that you can't recover. They make it mean so many things. It's not helpful. Some other, some other mindsets I see along with this almost perfectionist or no mistakes mindset are from here on out, I'm good. It's up from here. Anything that deviates from this is a regression. Um, I should be done with this in a month or um, have an unrealistic time frame. Um, I should get it right the first time. Uh, if I can't recover within this time frame, it's hopeless. It's not, there's no point in even trying. If I, if this doesn't work, then nothing else will. Um, and then after I binge and purge, I have relapsed or I've had small, tiny lapses. I forget. I think it was um, Christina Jumper who was on the podcast where she said that they actually label it as there's lapses and then there's a full-blown relapse. And I think that's a, maybe a much more helpful mindset, but I don't even like the term relapse. I like just thinking about it as all part of the process. Because here's what's really, really happens. We talked about it a little bit, but what really happens in recovery is you make a commitment to try to recover, make a commitment that, hey, I don't think I want to live with this for the rest of my life. So we're going to try no matter what to get through this. That doesn't mean we're going to try to be perfect. And if we're not perfect, then we've broken our commitment. It just means, hey, I'm going to try even when I fail. And then from there on out, a whole bunch of overeating happens, undereating happens, letting food rules creep back in and then pushing them back out again. You get binging and purging after you said you wouldn't. Um, you maybe have weeks of doing amazingly followed by weeks of complete utter disaster failures um, and completely going haywire and then wanting to give up feeling like you actually don't want to recover and you start backtracking. And then eventually, and maybe you have some weight gain there, or weight fluctuations that you're not really happy with. And that makes you question things. All of that crap happens in recovery, but the, the, why it's actually, I think crucial towards recovery to have these mistakes happen. Um, you know, say this, a binging and purging can actually be helpful towards your recovery, um, it's because it helps you actually learn. It gives you a new perspective and it helps you learn. 
Um, and I know that sounds so cheesy. I know people are like, oh my God, Jacqueline, I get it. You get to learn, but I don't think you do. I don't think you really get why binging and purging could actually help you learn. They're there for a reason. If you were binging and purging, it was meant to happen. Something was there that you hadn't thought of, that you hadn't accounted for, that you weren't aware of, that created that binging and purging. And if it didn't happen then, it was going to happen some other time. Um, if you could stop you know, being in such a disarray that it happened and just stop for a minute and say, okay, it did happen. What exactly, why did exactly did it happen though? What caused it? What was the reason that I binged? Um, why, what was there? There's generally something going on underneath the surface, or at the very least you binged and purged just because you have a habit that you've built over years and years and years. A lot of you guys aren't like me. You've been, you've been in bulimia for a lot longer. I struggled with it for four years, struggled with disordered eating for longer than that. That's still a long time. And that's still a, a decent enough time to have really ingrained habits and um, destructive behaviors that are hard to break. But some people I talk to, they've been struggling with bulimia for 10 years. I've talked to people on the podcast and my clients that are 20 plus years, 30 years. One person I've talked to, um, and she got through it over the past few years, she's gotten through it, but 30 years doesn't happen overnight. Recovery doesn't happen overnight for them. And they don't just suddenly, unless they are somehow, or somehow some sort of like freak of nature when it comes to genetics and, um, just being a higher grade, maybe of habit change, who knows that's not realistic. They are more likely to try fail at it a little bit, but get better each time they fail it's important for these slip-ups to happen. And if you could start seeing these slip-ups or mistakes or these binging and purging, but they're not slip-ups or mistakes, even me, like even during this podcast, I'm having trouble calling them not slip-ups. Um, what if they were supposed to happen? What, how would you treat a binge and purge or an overeating if you knew it was supposed to happen, you knew it was a part of recovery. Would you spend so long in shame and guilt and all this sort of stuff and stop thinking all things like I should know better? Why should you know better? After years and years of doing something, why should you know any better? You don't, but by practicing it over and over and over again of trying to pick yourself up back up, you'll eventually will know better and you'll eventually get through it. But obviously it happened you didn't know better in that time. There are reasons that you did it and those need to be uncovered. It probably isn't because you're just trying to self-sabotage. Maybe it was because of external stress going on. Maybe you have someone in your life that's really being unkind to you. Maybe you just have a lot happening. Last week or the, I mean, the week before I went on vacation, total mess, total mess it was for me. I was just not feeling life and I wasn't doing very good. I'm sure that if I was still in bulimia, it would have been a really, really bad binge and purge week for me. So maybe that's going on. Maybe it's not because you're a horrible person that's doomed to, to fall back into bulimia. Maybe it's just because you have a really long lasting habit combined with stresses in your life, combined with thoughts that you aren't prepared for that convince you to binge. And that is why you binge and purge, not because it's you just made a mistake or because you're a fuck up or because you can't recover. Maybe they're just things that you don't know yet that that is there to teach you. Um, if you could start looking at these moments as ways to teach yourself versus they're just signs that you can't do it, they're a sign of regression, that could be so, so vital for your recovery. 
I hated it. I'm, and again, guilty as this as a coach, I think it, it really does such damage when you call it a slip up or mistake or failure, because it really does make you feel like I'm somehow falling behind while everyone else is doing it the right way. I'm not doing it the right way. Therefore I'm making a mistake. What's wrong with me it isolates you. It makes you feel strange. And that's another reason I like the group coaching um, sometimes better than one-on-one coaching because people get to see others going through the same mistake. They feel less crazy. They feel um, like they aren't so far behind. They feel like they're normal and they feel like they're doing the things that, that they should be doing. Um, it feels comforting to know that you're not the odd one out, crazy spinning your wheels. It feels comforting to know that other people are struggling, sharing your misery with others. Another thing that kind of expecting not to binge and purge or expecting not to overeat, it makes you put pressure on yourself to recover faster or to have everything all figured out altogether. And when you have a lot of pressure, what tends to happen? Well, you tend to slip up more often because you have all this pressure on yourself to do it perfectly, to not mess up, to don't fuck it up, that sort of thing, that attitude. I can remember so many times in my life where I've been like, you can't mess this up. And then I definitely mess it up. I definitely do the exact opposite of what I want to do just because I'm nervous. Um, if you've ever talked on stage, the best thing to do, the best tactic I found for public speaking has been don't think about it till absolutely the last second. And then you don't really have time to think about all the ways you could fuck it up. And then you tend to do better because you haven't been freaking out for the past hour or days or weeks or months. Same applies to binging and purging. Um, so you really, um, and believe me, recovery, you really need to stop putting pressure on yourself to get it all together. I have so many clients I've talked to where they're kind of scared to binge and purge. And I always say, why are you scared? Why are you scared to binge and purge? You've done it before. It's not the biggest deal in the world, but they're scared because they make it mean that since when they, if they binge and purge, especially after a time of having success, they mean, that make it mean I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to do it every day. It means I'm a failure. It means I can't recover. It means that all hope is lost for me. It means that I'll just do all these things. Really, it's just eating a bunch of food, feeling out of control, and then um, compensating for the food. That's all binging and purging is. Yes, it has health implications. Yes, it's not the greatest thing to do. Yes, it's not the best coping mechanism, but it doesn't mean all the crap that you're attaching to it, all the thoughts that you have attached to it. It could just be this thing that you do that isn't super helpful for you, but it doesn't mean it has to keep on happening. It doesn't mean all the other things that you're making it mean. I think one of the most helpful parts of my recovery um, was something that was very unconscious that I didn't realize is that I had kind of given up um, on my own recovery. I had given up on the fact that I was going to recover and I just kind of accepted bulimia being a part of my life. I had stopped looking at it as such a drama fest and I had really looked at it as this is just something I do occasionally. And a lot of people fear that, oh my God, if you were to look at it that way, you do it forever. But it allowed me to see things much more neutrally and it allowed me to look up and look for cues that I hadn't quite realized were there. It allowed me to kind of see, oh, you know, actually, why am I doing this? Um, that wasn't enjoyable. Um, are, is there a habit going on here? Is there other stuff going on here that I don't really understand? Let me look at it. And it didn't put this big pressure on me to recover now or don't recover at all. 
it really allowed me to take my time with it. And it allowed me to look for answers in a calm, collective manner. And eventually when I tried that pause method, I wasn't even expecting that to work. I was like, I'll just try it. I will try it. We'll see what happens. And even when it worked, I wasn't like, this is the last time I'll ever, ever do this. This is, it's all gone for good. And I, I can't mess it up from here and out. I was just kind of like, wow, this is really cool. That worked. Awesome. Okay. I guess I'll try this again next time. And if it works, that's even great because I had let go of that expectation. I didn't think binging and purging was a bad thing. I mean, I knew intellectually it's not that great for you, but it didn't make it mean that I'm a horrible person, that I'm disgusting. I just meant it mean that this is a habit that I really won't tell people about and isn't the best for me, but whatever. That's all. So I didn't have this big pressure of saying like, it's here on out or you could never recover. I was just looking for things that worked, looking for answers and trying out things as they came to me, which made, I think my recovery maybe so much more successful is because I had dropped all those expectations, your thoughts behind things, your expectations behind things, your beliefs, they affect you more than you realize. And when you have all these unrealistic expectations, all this pressure on yourself, it really makes things a lot harder than they need to be. And it lot makes things a lot more severe than they need to be. I see a lot of clients that put pressure on themselves, partly maybe due to me as a coach, which is why I'm trying to fix this, trying not to label it as a slip up because I don't want my clients to feel like they're doing something wrong. It's a normal thing to happen. I also don't know their timeline. It's not my job to pressure them into recovery. It's my job to help them wherever they are in recovery. And so I don't want to make them feel like, I don't want to add to their pressure and stress that they put on themselves because when they do that, they tend to slip up or have binges and purges way more often. And they tend to get down on themselves way more often. And they tend to give up early way more often if they think that they're doing something wrong. If they think that this means it's, it's this way or the highway. That's not how most things in life works. Usually there's nuance to most topics and there's different ways of doing things. And most things are not linear. They're, um, you know, a stepping progression. And sometimes you backtrack, but maybe your backtracks get a little, a little less severe. And maybe you go forward, take a few steps back and keep on going. It's not a linear process. Uh, another thing too, is people fear that if I don't label it as a mistake, if I just say, this is okay, this is meant to happen, this is totally fine piece of recovery, what's to stop me from binging and purging every single day and just completely putting it off and not even holding myself accountable at all? And that's different. I don't think that because you say this is not a mistake, this is supposed to happen, doesn't mean that you're just, you're still okay with it. Even though I was, had given up on binging and purging, I still knew in the back of my mind, I kind of wanted to get rid of it. I just didn't know how yet. And it was not ever like, I never deemed it as something that I loved doing. I just deemed it as something that I did. And it didn't have any painful emotions attached to it, but it didn't have any positive ones attached to it too. And I used my intellectual brain to think, okay, if we can find a way to stop this, that's cool. That would be nice, but I didn't put tons of pressure on myself. And I didn't make it mean that I couldn't live a fulfilled life if I didn't figure it out. Same thing for you. Just because you say something is meant to happen, that it is part of the process. It doesn't mean you don't still try to look for 
ways to stop it. And when you, I'll ask you, you know, if you, when you shame yourself and guilt trip yourself and put all this drama on it um, and say, oh my God, this means I'm a failure. What are you more likely to do? You're more likely to isolate yourself after it happens, to not go out, to shame yourself, to be depressed. And then when you are isolating yourself from all the things that you love, not letting yourself go out and do things, um, beating yourself up, what are you more likely to reach for? you're more likely to reach for the same thing again. You're more likely to go back to binging and purging because you think it's all that you deserve. It's think that you think it's the only thing that will bring you comfort. And you think, what's the point of even trying? Versus if you were to say, okay, this happened. This wasn't you know, my favorite thing to happen, but it happened. What can we learn from this? That is a much better and more neutral and more productive way to understand it. And then when you think that way, you still allow yourself to go out and do things. You still take care of yourself. If you think this is a part of the process, you're more likely to pick yourself back up faster and then go out and do things that you love, socialize, still feed yourself healthy foods and foods that you enjoy. Still go out and do things, still work out, all that sort of stuff. It gives you stuff to fall back on and it makes you less likely to go back to it. Especially if, you know, the second you miss make a mistake, you're not standing there with a knife ready to stab yourself in the back. You're going to feel less pressured and therefore you might not do it again. Um, positive reinforcement works a lot better than negative reinforcement. Fear can be a motivating uh, driver and fear can motivate you very well, but it's a really hard way to live your life. And I think you might find things a lot more effective if you were a lot more positive with yourself and you were a lot less dramatic with yourself and you just made it saw binging and purging or overeating for what it is. It's overeating. It's binging and purging. It's a bad body image shape. It's whatever. It's a part of the process and it's there to tell you something. It's not there to make you make you give up and turn back. It's just a sign of something else going on and you have to uncover what that sign is. Do it yourself or do it with the help of a therapist, um, treatment disorder or coach. Find someone to also help you or maybe talk to a friend. Um, I think sometimes in these moments, if you can talk to someone else about it, that could be helpful. But stop calling these moments slip-ups, mishaps, mistakes, regressions. They are not, they are actually probably supposed to happen and they did happen. So you can't change that, but you can change the future. And part of it's going to start with your perspective on looking at them now. And if you knew that your timeline in um, bulimia recovery was supposed to take a whole year, would you be as frustrated when you had those slip-ups, when you weren't fully there yet, when you had um, little lapses that you were frustrated by? you would probably move on from them a lot more quickly because you would think this is meant to happen. So in summary for this whole episode, three things you need to know. Anything that you believe that deviates from the norm of what recovery should be in your mind is not a regression. You are not a failure. It is not a sign that you can't recover. They are normal. Second thing, they are normal. Most people recover this way. You are not the only one that recovers and has these things happen to them. And those people have recovered. If you look back and um, go to my Kristen Elliott episode, where I interviewed her on the podcast, and then check out my Harriet Frew interview that I have on this podcast. Both of those are really good examples of people who had nonlinear 
uh, recovery that happened where they had tons of ups and downs, tons of like bumps here and there where things did not go in this linear fashion. There wasn't a big moment that they just stopped and they recovered and they are doing great and they are, they're past that in their lives now. And they're in a different spot. Um, and both are helping people with their recovery as well. So that could be a really good example for you. Um, but they are normal. I think is a good thing to keep telling yourself. Um, they give you a new perspective that you weren't aware of before. And this is possibly the most important thing is binging and purging is there to tell you something binging and purging is there to give you information. Um, I think if you can think of symptoms going on in your life as a symptom of something else, a sign that something's going on, you're going to learn a lot more from it. So please, if binging and purging happens during recovery, if overeating anything, it's there to show you something and it's not necessarily an indicator that something um, that you aren't going to recover. And the last but not least is that making these speed bumps, if you'll call them in recovery, will make you stronger. I really like to think of these, you know, when I coach people, something really cool is that whenever people do have moments like these, where they have a binge and purge, where they have this stuff come up, they're really huge moments for my client to grow. And whenever they look back in hindsight, they know it was an important moment for them and they actually grew. And I have had a lot of clients say that I'm happy that happened in the moment. It doesn't feel like it in the moment you feel very frustrated and upset and you feel like the world is ending, but in hindsight, you grew so much from that moment. It was so vital for your recovery. And that I think this is a strong opinion that I think some people will disagree with, but binging and purging is helpful in recovery, overeating, whatever you define as a mistake in recovery is actually helpful for your recovery. If you look at it the way I'm proposing that you look at it today. So take that in stride with your recovery. If you feel like you are all over the place, if you're not doing things correctly, really question, are those expectations that you have realistic? What are your expectations of recovery? Would other people have the same expectations of you? And try to look for examples of other people who are having those same things. Recovery is not linear, friends. And I can't say that enough. I didn't get it while I was in there, but recovery is definitely not linear. And that's for a reason. It's really hard to learn things if you've never made the mistake in the first place. People don't learn from getting things right every single time. They learn from getting it wrong, asking questions, and then getting it right after repetition, after repetition, after completely doing it over and over again. And eventually they learn. Believe me, recovery is no different. Okay, thanks for listening, everyone. I'll talk to you next week. There's gonna be some cool interviews on the podcast next week, so look forward to that. All right, never give up on yourself, my friends. Bye. Hey, if you like this episode, you have to come check out the Binge Breakers Recovery Course. If you're trying to recover from bulimia and you're sick of doing it alone and you feel like you've tried a lot of traditional therapies and it's not working with you, come join the course. Go to bingebreakers.com slash recovery dash course.